0: And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at JoinMIDI.com.
1: Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring.
0: A laundry? Ooh, a book club! Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino.
1: what's up welcome to the deep sleepers podcast the podcast to listen to if you watch football with ulterior motives i am your host jeremy layton i am still your only host uh so once again samantha is no longer here and you're stuck with me uh but you're also stuck with a guy you know from fancy pros or maybe not yet because he just started there um and the director of operations at the cut christian williams how you doing man
0: I'm doing really well thanks for having me on Uh I've been a guest on a few different podcasts recently, and and this is my favorite thing about getting on podcasts. I like this more than hosting my own.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I love it too. I I kind of want people to invite me on more podcasts, to be honest. Um, and yeah. like, yeah, I, I think it's I think it's just always like, funny to like see how people introduce you. So um, cause, like, people like <laughs> pull sure. random shit from my Twitter bio all the time, um, and I think it's I think it's fun. So um, hopefully, nice I, I didn't I didn't uh, I didn't blow. I didn't go too quick uh, on the fantasy pros there. I know you just started there.
0: Oh no, that's good, man.
1: <laughs> yeah. You gotta, you gotta boost it. You gotta boost yourself. Um, yeah. All right. So I love having different perspectives on the show. Just like talking to different guys. And you have one that I find truly fascinating. It was honestly a big reason I wanted to have you on the show. You fully committed to the Justin Fields as the QB one take. Um, I love me some Justin Fields. Um, I want to talk about quarterbacks in the show to be, uh, to, give you guys just a kind of clue on what we're going to talk about um but so justin fields he's probably my qb two I mean, he's easily my qb2 um i don't think it's particularly close i just kind of want to give you a platform to defend yourself so uh first question so is he just your qb1 for fantasy or like if you're the gm for the jaguars you're selecting justin fields with the first overall pick
0: it's kind of a two-fold question because i think in an ideal world they don't hire urban meyer um, yeah, we'll that's the whole and, other conversation. <laughs> and so, yeah, so I think now, if I'm the GM of the Jaguars, knowing that I have Urban Meyer, I'm taking Trevor Lawrence because that more fits actually what I think Urban Meyer is going to want to do, uh, which is just that like quick screen game and that that quick throw uh, kind of RPO based game where Justin Fields I think is the better passer of the two. Now you asked about like. Fantasy versus real life. Overall, like in an ideal world where we don't have that situation, yes, I would take Justin Fields over Trevor Lawrence. I think Justin Fields is probably gonna end up being number one on my big board when all is said and done. I think he's the best player in this draft. So uh yes, for fantasy, that's also a twofold question. Cause I think Trevor Lawrence probably has the more productive rookie year. Uh, but long term, like if you're playing Dynasty or something like that, I'd rather have Justin Fields long term.
1: I love that. Um, I look. I love Justin Fields. Um, I think obviously the physical tools are there. I, I just kind of see intangibles for him. Like, and it's. I know analytics nerds on Twitter are gonna be mad at me for saying that, but like he just shows <laughs> up in big games. I mean, the exception of the Northwestern game, where a game that he was missing his best receiver and three other receivers and the wide receiver coach and was facing the number one pass defense in the NCAA, which, like, by the way, their entire game plan was to shut down the pass, and that's why Trey Sermon ran for. 337 yards or something ridiculous like that exactly. um, but yeah I mean I see some Deshaun Watson in him honestly just like watching him just play through that brutal chest injury in the Clemson game the throws with accuracy anticipation touch I mean what do you see in fields that kind of pushes him over the top for you
0: well I could talk about this for hours man so <laughs> uh, I will say the two main things that I've kind of tried to rely on when, when I get asked that question is ball placement and footwork. So a lot of people think that Justin Fields can't read the field, Um, ironically. So when you watch him actually move through his progressions though, it's really easy to tell because he is very, very good at resetting his feet and kind of shifting through his progressions where some quarterbacks will just scan the field and then they'll sling it. Zach Wilson's kind of like that. Uh, which I'm sure we'll talk about him later, but he, he doesn't necessarily have to reset his feet because he's got crazy arm angles and he can make throws like that. Justin Fields is as mechanically sound as they come. He doesn't have the quickest release, and, and I think that's why people knock him for that. But that footwork, and, and those two things are pretty intertwined, Like that footwork leads to very, very good accuracy. Justin Fields is the most accurate quarterback I think I've ever watched um, in terms of, what he did at the college level. And you think of guys like, you know, Mac Jones probably had a better deep ball percentage. Uh I think I think Kyle Trask was up there too. But these guys are, are making throws in a scheme that definitely benefits them. Whereas Justin Fields is sitting in a pro-style vertical offense where their wide receivers are running option routes every play. So um yeah, I, I hang my hat on the the ball placement and the footwork. And those, like I said, those two things kind of intertwine. I could talk all day about his playmaking, about his improved pocket awareness from 2019 to 2020, which is the reason he is my quarterback one, because heading into this 2020 season, I would have said Trevor Lawrence is probably going to be better. Uh, But because we saw that marginal improvement, uh, I think that Justin Fields is, is locked and loaded as my QB one from here on out. Well, he has to be now. I, I mean, I put out so much. That yeah, you've really,
1: you've I really can... committed to it. So
0: I really have. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. No, I honestly agree with a lot of things you said. Um, I want to talk briefly about some of like the weaknesses that I've kind of seen in his game. I mean, to me, it kind of feels a little bit like he struggles when he gets blitzed and when he gets pressure in his face. Um, I rewatched the Indiana game, uh, which we talked about right before we started recording. Um, I actually counted. I was, I was like going through and like checking off. Um, i i saw 15 good plays i saw 21 like meh plays and this is a combination of throws and honestly plays with this with his feet he had seven bad plays three of them were interceptions they're brutal um and I, I think it's a little bit like you can't expect every quarterback to have like 30 to 35 perfect games in a college career it's just it just doesn't happen um but i mean that was probably his worst game but like a couple of things I saw were like slight weaknesses I would see. He held on to the ball a little bit too long. Um, he had some plays where I thought he was really aware in the pocket and a couple where he just kind of didn't really see pressure in his face. And this kind of goes back to what I said, where he struggles a little bit with pressure. Um, but at the same time in that game, like, he was very calm and deliberate. Kind of Again, like kind of like Sean Watson, you kind of see that when he passes. Um but, yeah, what do, you, what do you think about those things? Do you think those are things that can be fixed if he goes to the right system? Do you think they'll be – or do you think those are just things that a lot of quarterbacks struggle with, even the good ones?
0: So, if you think about it, I, I would say, like, I said that he's good at reading the field, which he is. Yeah, he's very good at reading the field. But, but his eyes are a tad slow. Uh, So as he's scanning, he doesn't scan in the field quickly because now, and I'm not in the business of giving him excuses. He's definitely going to need to get better at this. But he was asked to stare down his wide receivers. They would show, and then he would throw the ball. Um, Now, when you're looking at his eye speed when he's facing pressure, that's where like he's going to struggle at first. I think, you know, I I think I'm a Browns fan, so I watch a lot of Baker Mayfield. And 2019 Baker Mayfield. It's pretty similar to some of the bad that you see in Justin Fields' game where they kind of panic when they're under pressure uh, or they don't recognize the pressure's coming and then they take a ton of sacks. Now the sacks are, are a problem for Justin Fields. I think there's a mixture of he's trying to take care of the football. He's not trying to sling it. I don't think he ever really trusted his arm in that offense. And they were throwing downfield so much that like if he lets one go, you could get one of those interceptions that's just an awful throw. Uh, one of the Indiana interceptions was that way. A couple of them were tipped, and one was when he was getting dragged down by a sack, but, um, but yeah, I, I think ultimately he's going to have to get better at recognizing pressure, but I think that's going to come when he's actually told, okay, throw with anticipation, make your read, and you don't have to wait for that wide receiver to show. You can throw the ball, um, but it, it will take some time, I think. I think it's going to be a, an adjustment for sure.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I I think that's definitely, I think there are certain things that I see in Justin Fields that I think could be coached out of him. And like a lot of the plays that I saw them run at Ohio State were like, they had, I mean, receivers were all running like midfield, like comebacks or like like pretty deep crossers. And it kind of, it was not like a quick hitting offense at all when they were like throwing, when they were kind of uncorking and like letting him throw. So I think that's kind of just something that I think if he goes into a different offense, I, I think he has the skills to kind of just improve that um fantasy wise i mean we we'll talk about the teams that are probably realistically going to get him it's probably he's i feel like he might fall maybe to like the out of not out of the top 10 but to like to the bottom of the top 10 like which team do you kind of hope he goes to in like a dream scenario
0: oh my god carolina man uh that's the same i was gonna say
1: the same thing actually
0: carolina i i think there are there's some intrigue with uh the 49ers too um but it's not as, I mean, you've got Robbie Anderson underneath. You've got DJ Moore to run the Chris Olave stuff that they yeah. ran at Ohio state. And you've got a brilliant mind in Joe Brady, and you've got a really good coach in that rule. He would immediately, immediately people would change their tune very quickly. If he ends up in Carolina, which I think like Carolina might end up with Deshaun Watson uh, or they could just stand pat and get a guy who is very comparable. So.
1: <laughs> yeah no I, I like that a lot I was actually going to say the same thing and I think like the weapons are there obviously I'm, I'm pretty high on DJ Moore um, just from watching him play not even just a fantasy perspective um, and I mean Robbie Anderson is like a target hog uh, I, I love that pairing and I kind of part of me thinks that Deshaun Watson is not going to get traded until after the draft until the Texans kind of get more desperate and this is just kind of what we've seen from the Texans they don't do anything right as an organization we know that um, and what's Correct. probably going to end up happening is they're going to insist that they're not going to trade Deshaun Watson, and then as it gets closer to the season, he's going to hold out, say he's not going to show up to training camp. But like, oh shit, we got to do something about this, and they'll probably <laughs> panic and trade him for less than they probably would have gotten if they did now. um yep. But that kind of leads me to say that, like, yeah, I think Carolina is probably going to draft a quarterback because they—it's pretty obvious they don't really like Teddy Baderwater, um especially not in the long-term uh, capacity, and. If Deshaun Watson is not on the team by then, they're probably going to have to make a move to quarterback because they have a lot of things in place. They have offense, um, they have weapons, they have a coach, they have an offensive coordinator who might have gotten a head coach job but didn't, so he's still around. Um, So I love the Carolina thing. So if he goes to Carolina in a redraft fantasy – I'm going to ask you actually a two-part question. In a redraft Mm -hmm. fantasy and in a rookie draft, where are you taking him?
0: Uh, Is the rookie draft – are you – one quarterback or superflex?
1: Uh both. Let's have fun with this.
0: Okay. So super flex, he's one on one no matter what. Um even in well, I guess in redraft, I would consider uh Lawrence overfields still man, that, that's that'd be a toss-up in redraft. Um in fantasy, like I think you have to draft him as like a top 12 to 15, I think you might end up being able to get him in a value as your QB2 because of all of the like really weird narratives that he can't read a field and that he's not pro like ready to start from day one and uh just a ton of weird narratives that way uh that might get you to a value with him where he can be drafted as your quarterback two and then put up probably not a Herbert level season. Uh, I think that's ambitious. Um but, I mean, if he's in Carolina, there's really no reason why he couldn't do what Justin Herbert did. So, yeah, I'd be very comfortable with that. I, now, round-wise, I don't I don't know what that would be. It, yeah. I guess, it, I mean, 10 to 12 range probably That's would be where I would, where I would draft him.
1: Yeah. yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I, I agree with everything you said. Um, so that was just kind of a primer. So for this episode, uh, what I kind of want to do is just kind of talk a lot of the incoming rookie class. Obviously, it's March and – We're starting for content. We need stuff to talk about from a fantasy perspective. Um, But so I, I'm definitely a little bit later to like the tape. Um, I don't really get into watching the like college tape until kind of closer to the draft. So I kind of wanted this episode and I know that's something that you do a lot. So I want to kind of want to talk about a lot of the kind of the top prospects, uh, both from just a NFL perspective and from a fantasy perspective. Again, it's a little bit harder to like nail down where these guys are going to be because it's so early, but I do think it's worth talking about. Uh, So, What I want to do now, uh, I want to talk about all the quarterbacks. So we kind of have to talk about Trevor Lawrence. Uh, And so you have Justin Fields over Trevor Lawrence. You think he's a better prospect. You think he's a better passer. I'm not there yet. I'm not willing to say that. And I I don't think most – I think you're the only person maybe in the entire fantasy industry or the entire NFL industry as a whole right now who would kind of commit as hard to that take as you kind of are. I look – look, I watched a lot of tape this week. I tried to find a weakness in his game. I really did. But, I mean – Arm strength, downfield accuracy, surprising mobility. He can outrun linebackers. A lot of the same intangibles that you see with Justin Fields. Just explain to me what your kind of red flags are with Trevor Lawrence.
0: So you mentioned downfield accuracy. I think that's that's kind of the case. Uh, I think a lot of his placement is overstated. Um, I think... And and this is as nitpicky as it gets, so don't get me wrong. Trevor Lawrence is my quarterback, too. I think he's a very, very good prospect. He's going to be a very good NFL quarterback. But I think he leaves some throws on the field. I think he misses some easy throws. He, I mean, he's missing throws behind the line of scrimmage that he really should not be missing. Granted, like, you're going to have that. Justin Fields does that. Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, they all do that but Trevor Lawrence threw so many times behind the line of scrimmage that it was definitely noticeable when he sailed one. Um, You saw a little bit of it as well in his pro day. And I mentioned it and people got mad at me, um, but his red zone work was not very good. He put the ball uh, essentially too deep and people are saying, well, that's good placement. Yes. Trevor Lawrence knows where to throw the ball. It's just that he's just a tick off sometimes and I think that's going to cost him at the NFL level when he's not throwing on air virtually every play, especially when he's throwing downfield. Um, add in the fact that his the way he was asked to read the field was very, very simplified. Uh, so he was basically asked to read about half the field. So I, I think there's going to be a learning curve there. Now, I also thought that about Justin Herbert. And Justin Herbert picked it up like that, and it wasn't a problem. So I could very well see that happening with Trevor Lawrence as well.
1: I I was so off on Justin Herbert. It's kind of insane. And, like, I think last year was the first year that I was really getting into the tape and kind of evaluating prospects. I always watched college football, but this was kind of – it was the pandemic. I was bored. I had nothing better to do. So I was – obviously, I was in love with Joe Burrow. I liked Tua not as much – like, I think the one thing I was right about was I was a little bit lower on Tua than kind of the consensus was, but I still thought he was, the Dolphins made the right pick when they drafted him over Justin Herbert. And I just kind of saw a lot of like inconsistency with Justin Herbert. And I like I'm not there with Trevor Lawrence. I kind of know I've, I've seen a couple of plays where I kind of understand what you're saying, but I don't know. I, I just kind of feel like the only thing that maybe concerns me is. I, this might be just personal bias, tall quarterbacks, like really tall quarterbacks, sometimes they have like elongated throwing motions. sometimes and you can get to them in the pocket. Maybe when you get NFL pass rushers in their face, um, that might be the only thing that would slightly concern me. I got to go back and watch the accuracy stuff that you're talking about. Um, but I, I find that interesting because I, I, I definitely didn't really see that, but I don't know if I gave the tape as much of a deep dive as probably I wanted to.
0: Yeah, and, and I will say, last thing with Trevor Lawrence, I think the uh, him under pressure is like a non-existent thing. I think he will stand in there, and he'll make a throw, uh, but I also think that he, like you saw it in the Ohio State game in the playoffs, where he kind of panicked in the pocket too, uh, and that's, I mean, that's going to be a learning curve as well. All of these prospects have that. I don't want to be, like, viewed as the Trevor Lawrence hater because I have Justin Fields one. Uh, so, I think Trevor Lawrence is a great quarterback. I want to end on that.
1: All right, that's fair. Now, I'm like, I, I don't think anyone would disagree with you there. So, um, it's, it's funny to, like, yo, this is the Justin Fields QB1 guy. And everyone on the internet's going to be like, oh, you fucking hate Trevor Lawrence. Right. wrong with you and we have some room for subtlety and the middle ground on the deep sleepers podcast so i'm not inviting hot takes entirely um but i like some to a certain extent so that's 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 worth talking about all right so we know that trevor lawrence is going to jacksonville what do you kind of see from him just from i guess we can kind of talk about both redraft and dynasty um but i mean from a dynasty perspective Like who do you want more than Trevor Lawrence right now? Uh, Let's let's talk about a world where Justin Fields doesn't exist.
0: (laughs) Okay. If Justin Fields doesn't exist, I mean, from a dynasty perspective, I'd still probably take your Patrick Mahomes, your Josh Allen, your Kyler Murray, just because of that rushing upside. Mm -hmm. I think Trevor Lawrence is probably a better quarterback than Kyler Murray. I won't, you said no hot takes. I'm not going to say my take on Kyler yet. Uh, I won't even publicize it yet. So I won't say it here. Uh, but I would take him over him in fantasy um, probably Justin Herbert for now uh, I'd love to see what Trevor Lawrence does in his rookie year first um, off the top of my head though like that that might be the extent of the list if, if Justin Fields doesn't exist I think Justin Fields is probably like quarterback six or seven for me so that's right around where I would have Trevor Lawrence as well
1: yeah no that makes a lot of sense so like if you're in a startup uh, drafts in the dynasty league, um, if you're in a super flex league, it's first round, no brainer, right? If you're yeah. like, including rookie picks. I mean, I was in a league where we, we like drafted kickers for rookie slots, um, which yeah. actually kind of worked out pretty well. I ended up with like the 10th pick. I'm, I'm kind of regretting it. I, I, <laughs> I like, I went all in on 2021. Uh, my team's great, but um, I'm I'm regretting not killing in the rookies. Um, yeah. And then just like, do you see like, My hunch with Jacksonville is they want the splash move. We talked about this in the last episode. Like, I feel like DJ Chark and LaVisca Chenault are good options for now, but it still kind of feels like they're going to want to bring someone in and kind of shake things up. So, like, what do you see the offense looking like with Trevor Lawrence and the pieces that are there now, and do you think they're going to make another move?
0: Well, this is something that we talk about over on my podcast as well, quite a bit. And it's, I don't know what this offense is going to look like because all we know from Urban Meyer is a college style offense. The good thing is that a college style offense really worked for Urban Meyer. The NFL has moved to a college type of like RPO base uh, with some of these new quarterbacks coming in to make it easier for them. And so I kind of assume that it's going to mirror a lot of what urban ran at Ohio state and Florida. Now, if that's the case, uh, I think DJ Chark is still super valuable because I think DJ Chark is still their best receiver. However, LaVisca Chenault is going to be uh, for lack of a better comparison, Trevor Lawrence's Amari Rogers. Whereas you're going to look at like DJ Chark is Trevor Lawrence's Justin Ross from two years ago. So I think they both will will garner some value. I think the offense is going to be good. I think especially with James Robinson anchoring uh, back there. Like I said, I think they, I think you're right that they might go make a splash. I think it's going to be at the tight end position because I think they will u- utilize it a little bit more. I think Hunter Henry might be a good fit for them. Uh, but I, I think they'd be pretty content with like Colin Johnson is just a deep guy, LaVisca Chanel underneath, and then DJ Chark everywhere in between.
1: Yeah, no, I think I agree with a lot of that. Um, I'm like – I'm half committing to the take that maybe DJ Chark and LaVisca Chanel could be interesting cells in Dynasty right now just because, like, the hype around Trevor Lawrence and everybody thinks that he's just going to all of a sudden become, like, a top five, top ten receiver. Like, who knows? And I think now is an interesting, like, window where you can maybe get something for him um but that's obviously a conversation for a different episode all right I want to talk about Zach Wilson so I personally really like the top three quarterbacks in this class and I I even like Trey Lance a lot too I think they could all end up being really good pros uh Zach Wilson has a little bit of people say this a lot I don't know if I'm fully there but maybe a little bit of Patrick Mahomes in him in his ability to kind of like make off-platform throws and to improvise and kind of just make something out of nothing He has kind of functional mobility, if not breakaway, Lamar Jackson-esque speed, kind of in a similar way that Patrick Mahomes does. So what's your read on Wilson here?
0: So Wilson's actually my quarterback four. I have him right behind Lance. That sent Twitter into a tizzy last week, though. So uh, I will say, like, I tweeted out, I think Zach Wilson's probably quarterback four. And then the things that I cited were he bails out of clean pockets and he had the cleanest pocket out of any quarterback up here uh except maybe mac jones he might have been pressured a little uh less but zach wilson when faced with pressure he didn't play awful but he also didn't look like the zach wilson that we saw all year and i'm talking about the coastal game the coastal carolina game um wilson though someone said zach wilson is an elite trait prospect And I don't think that's true at all. I think he has very, very good traits. And then he has one elite trait, and it's getting outside of the pocket and slinging the ball like a shortstop. And that's great. I think people are going to fall in love with that. But I will put out some caution. We said the same thing about Drew Locke. Um, Now, Drew Locke obviously wasn't as productive or advanced as Zach Wilson probably. But I think we're somewhere in the middle of a Drew Locke and a Patrick Mahomes. And that's a good quarterback. Like, I, I think that's a good quarterback. Uh, I just can't get all the way up to – I mean, not, Zach Wilson's definitely not going to be my quarterback, too. I'll say that.
1: <laughs> that's fair. Um, he's my quarterback three. I do really like him. But I kind of mm-hmm. saw a lot of the similar things that you did. Again, I haven't really done as deep of a dive on the tape, which is kind of what I want to do on the show. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, so a couple of things that I saw from him – kind of a little like what i saw with tua in his rookie year i saw some moments where he didn't really throw to guys unless they were open in the anticipation throws i didn't quite see as much from him as i did from guys like justin fields and trevor lawrence um and then another thing i'm worried about is like he's been good for one year and like we saw joe burrow kind of do that where he was amazing for one year and then is looking like a very solid nfl pro but he was so 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 good in his one year where he was amazing and like I mean, I think what you were saying with Zach Wilson getting out of the pocket and making these, like, off-platform throws, and, like, it feels like every part of the field is available to him at any point of a play. But also, he doesn't necessarily – like, he hasn't put it together for that long, and he's not as polished as a couple other guys. So I am a little bit nervous about that. Like, if, I, if you're the Jets, are you nervous about taking Zach Wilson? Are, are or you, if you were a Jets fan, would you be nervous about the Jets taking Zach Wilson?
0: I mean, yes, uh, mostly because they just did this with Sam Darnold. It's a guy that, that's trait-based. That he, I mean, Sam Darnold didn't have the year that Zach Wilson had in 2020. Uh, but I think there's a lot of projection in, in those two guys. You already have some I, – now, I don't know if you like Sam Darnold or not, but you already have a guy that – you don't think that he's hit his full potential yet because your former head coach hampered his uh, development. So if you're going to take a guy, I would love for it to be someone more guaranteed where I think people have convinced themselves that Zach Wilson is a guarantee. And I I just don't see that as the case. I think there is going to be a bit of a learning curve for him as well.
1: Yeah. I mean, Again, I don't want to be sound like I'm too down on Zach Wilson because I do really like Zach Wilson. I'm a Bears fan. I, like, am begging the Bears front office to trade up for Wilson or Fields or Lance even, um, and we'll talk about him in a minute. Uh, and I, I do think that Zach Wilson has a massive ceiling. Um, if he can kind of just do the more, like, quarterback things, which it's coachable. Like, you, can, you can get prospects to do that. Um, I think it kind of depends on where he ends up. And I do like what the Jets are – like, the kind of direction the Jets are moving – I think Robin Sal's is a good coach. I think um, having a LaFleur in the building um, is good for a young quarterback. Um, kind of makes things a little bit easier. Like we kind of have seen mediocre quarterbacks play well in systems like that. It's read Jimmy, Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm not a fan. <laughs> um, yeah, no, me neither. not a fan of him at all, but yeah. So I guess my last question for Zach Wilson is like, do you see like right now, do you think he is going to be a long-term NFL starter or a pro bowl level passer quarterback?
0: Um Wow, that's that's tough. I think he's a he's an NFL starter for a while. I th- I think that I think I don't think he's a he's going to be a pro bowl quarterback. I I think he could get there. Like I think you can see that when he's playing. Uh but if I had to guess right now, I'd say no. He's, okay. he he'll be a starter though i mean it, like you said jimmy garoppolo starts so can't yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's fair can't um well maybe not for much longer we will see about
0: that very, very
1: all true. right um we're gonna do a quick ad break and then we'll come back and talk about the other two quarterbacks that it looks like are gonna go in the top first round of the draft maybe the top half of the first round we'll see uh we'll talk about it in a sec All right, fellas, I want to talk to you guys about Manscaped. We are in the thick of winter, and there is a storm of brewing. It looks like one to three inches are in the forecast when you trim that hibernation bush that's taking place in your pants. Luckily, our partners at Manscaped specialize in products. Make sure you're walking around town with beautiful snowballs. Manscaped is here to provide you with the best tools for your grooming experience, offering precision-engineered tools for your family jewels, the Lawnmower 3.0 Trimmer is the best hygiene tool for the modern man because of their ceramic blade and advanced skin-safe technology. Your snags on your snowballs will be reduced. The trimmer is also waterproof, so you can trim in the shower or jacuzzi if you're savage. Manscapes Performance Package is the best buy of 2021. The performance Package comes with a new, impro- new and improved Lawnmower 3.0 Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a travel bag. You ever notice how nasty nose and ear hair is? In fact, 79% of partners polled admitted that nose hair, long nose hair, that is, is a major turnoff. So you might as well use the best tools to do the job. This bundle also comes with a Crop Preserver ball deodorant and a Crop Reviver ball toner. The Crop Preserver is an anti-chafing ball deodorant that will make your balls smell nice and make you feel like your testes are walking in a winter wonderland. Crop Reviver is a spray-on toner for your balls. It is made with soothing aloe and witch hazel extracts that will make your balls look up to you and say thanks. Don't get cold feet this winter. Use, uh, get 20% off and free shipping with the code brawl at manscaped.com. Again, 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code brawl. Thanks, Manscaped, for making our winter wieners look so good.
0: With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
1: trey lance uh you like him better than zach wilson first i'm gonna ask why and i'm just gonna let you talk
0: yeah so mainly i mean we talked about elite traits i think trey lance has them um the more i heard about trey lance's work in meetings and with his coaches and what kind of offense they were running and how he set his own protections. They they were really setting up Trey Lance to be successful at the next level. I think that's definitely going to help him. I think he's one of the most NFL-ready prospects in this class. I would say Lance is probably more NFL-prepared than Trevor Lawrence right now. And I know that sounds hot-takey, but go listen to uh, – I'll reference Dame Brugler's podcast, Prospects to Pros, they had an interview with Quincy Avery, who is working with Trey Lance right now, who just he's, – he's very honest about prospects, and he speaks the world of Trey Lance. So I think his mental game is there. Um, when you watch him on tape, he's definitely not accurate. Uh, you can't – there's not much that you can argue about his accuracy, but when he does get a, a throw, like, in a nice spot, it's beautiful. There's a lot of Russell Wilson in him. Uh, in terms of how his his ball drops. Um, but overall, I mean, especially for fantasy, I would rather have Trey Lance than Zach Wilson, Mac Jones, like all of those guys, just because he's going to be able to make plays with his legs as well. I think it's fairly similar to what we saw with Josh Allen when he was a small school quarterback that just really hadn't put it together, but there were so many traits there. Now it took a while for Josh Allen to become accurate and it might take a while with Lance, but I think he's going to do it. And I think that with mixed with all of those other traits, I think it's tough to pass on him for Zach Wilson.
1: It's interesting um, with Trey Lance, look, he's a massive wild card because there is not a lot of tape on him. And it kind of feels like, and I guess like you were kind of saying something antithetical to this, but. It kind of felt like to me when I was watching the tape that North Dakota State didn't really ask him to do too, too much in terms of the play selection because it kind of felt like there was a lot of read option where he ended up just running the ball right up the gut. Uh, yeah. The arm tools are super obvious, but the accuracy, like you said, I mean, it feels like he'll like he'll airmail one throw and then come back with the 50-yard dime. And then there was not <laughs> a lot of, like, for me, there wasn't a lot of, like, intermediate routes with him. I didn't see him throwing a lot of those. Again, there's just not a lot of tape. He didn't play that many games. I think the ceiling is Josh Allen, or maybe like a slightly better passer version of Cam Newton. And the floor is like worse than Mitch Trubisky. And because, again, it's there's like for me, there's I'm a Bears fan. Like, I see some similarities with Mitch Trubisky in terms of what I've seen on tape in that super athletic, the traits are there, the accuracy, not so much. So, Yeah. yeah, I mean, what's your why? What gives you the confidence that? he's going to put it together because I kind of feel like Josh Allen is going to be the guy that everybody's comparing prospects to, but we've never really seen a quarterback develop the way that Josh Allen did like develop accuracy. at such a late stage of his career.
0: We haven't. And that's, I mean, I weigh accuracy very, very highly, which is a big part why, why I have Justin Fields at quarterback one. Cause like I said, he's probably the most accurate quarterback I've ever seen Trey Lance, probably not the least accurate quarterback I've ever seen, but definitely leaves throws on the field I think, you know, I, I think because we know a little bit about his mental acumen and and how hard he's working at, you know, learning the offense, running meetings, uh, being a leader. He may not ever be a seventy percent completion g- kind of guy. Like I don't, yeah. I don't think he'll ever get there. But I think he can go win you games because he also wins in other ways. Like he can get out of the pocket and he can make some throws on the run as well. Uh, and then if he doesn't throw it on the run, he's going to take off for 40 yards and truck stick you. So it's I, I think you're going to be able to win if you build around Trey Lance properly. Now he's pretty scheme dependent. Uh, I wouldn't say it's like like Lamar, but it's I mean you have to put together a scheme that that fits what Trey Lance can do.
1: Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. Um, Like, again, as a Bears fan, I'm hoping that they trade up for a quarterback, but I I do fear that with the system that Matt Nagy specifically wants to run in Chicago, that it could be a really good fit or it could be a really bad one. And I can see Bears fans getting really upset if he just, like, is missing throws down the field, which Mr. Biscuit was doing for four straight years. Uh, And I don't think anyone, even though there are, like, I don't know if you know this, there is a corner of Bears Twitter that is still – Standing, Mitch Trubisky, and it's very, very annoying. And I'm very glad that he's probably not going to be back. So I'm done with those people in my feed. (laughs) That's good. Um, Yeah, but yeah. So just uh, real quick, from a fantasy perspective, I I see the like very, I see the value in fantasy. Um, Are you comfortable with taking him over, kind of like a sure thing wide receiver or running back in the first round of a draft? Maybe not necessarily in a super flex. I guess we can kind of talk about both superflex. It's kind of annoying with Dynasty um, because he, like, yeah. it's, there are like two entirely different strategies for drafting. <laughs> but um, just like, are you do you feel comfortable taking him over like a Jalen Waddle?
0: Yes, uh, and and I like Waddle a bit, but I think. Now, this this is mostly Superflex. I, I, I dabble in one quarterback leagues, but I'm almost strictly Superflex now. Uh, so Superflex, now, it, draft, draft capital definitely matters. Like, if Trey Lance ends up falling to the second round, then my answer would flip. But assuming that he is taken in the first 32 picks, then I would rather have that quarterback – man, I say that. I love Jordan Love last year. I would have drafted Jordan Love over Henry Ruggs last year. And that, I mean, neither of them really <laughs> were good picks at the time. So, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I think that's what I would do. But in one quarterback, I'd definitely take take Waddle.
1: Yeah, no, I, I would agree with that. Um, yeah, it, we, me and Samantha, my old co-host, we were very anti-Henry Ruggs um, going into the season. And that turned out, I mean, Just the Raiders, it's the most Raiders thing ever to take the fastest receiver and kind of hope for the best. And obviously, usually the best doesn't super work out. Um, But yeah, so, all right, let's talk about, I would argue, the most controversial quarterback in this draft, or maybe the quarterback with the widest range of opinions on what he can be in the NFL. I'm going to start by saying I'm not a fan of Mac Jones. Um, I just kind of want to ask you generally where you fall on that spectrum.
0: I'm going to land with a second-round grade on him. Uh, I think I think he can succeed. I think it's going to be in like a Jared Goff capacity, though. And so yeah. are you drafting that in the first round? Are you drafting that in the second round? I mean, maybe in the second round, depending on how quarterback needy you are. But at that point, I mean, if your ceiling is Jared Goff, and Jared Goff, don't get me wrong, like he threw for 4,000 yards and he had a really good year a couple years ago. Uh, but that's not what I'm like sealing <laughs> drafting wise. I know uh, Justin Gamel G- at Gam Scout on Twitter. He's been preaching for for Mac Jones and saying Joe Burrow had a similar season, and Joe Burrow was the first overall pick. Uh, it's a it's a valid argument. Uh, I think you can say what Mac Jones did was very similar to Joe Burrow, but Joe Burrow also wasn't in a class full of like really either super talented quarterbacks or super trait based quarterbacks where Mac Jones isn't super talented or have really any traits that you can work with. So uh, like, I think he, he makes good decisions. I think that's his best, best uh, attribute. And then after that, like I don't think he has a strong arm. I think his mechanics are a little off. I think he throws with good touch. He's not getting out of the pocket. So like, what are you drafting him for? I don't know. I don't know. I wouldn't. (laughs)
1: yeah look you and I like honestly you took the words out of my mouth because it's not that I don't like him or I don't love him I I think he could be fine I think he could end up being like Kirk Cousins or maybe like a slightly better version of Jimmy G but he doesn't I don't see any world where he becomes a pro bowl quarterback and yeah like people I think one team is going to talk themselves into like oh we have the right scheme fit for him but don't draft a quarterback in the first round if you have to tailor the offense towards him Everybody gets obsessed with quarterbacks and they see something in him and they see something in a quarterback. They think that like, oh, if we get this guy in, he's going to be the next Tom Brady. But I don't know, like, like there's no quarterback in the NFL who's like a top 10 quarterback who is just a great pocket passer and processor, except for Tom Brady. And Tom Brady is the best of all time at those things. And you can't compare people to that, like, to to him. And, like, I mean, everybody has some sort of athletic trump card that I just don't think Jones has. He's a nice deep ball, but doesn't have a really strong arm. He's pretty good at maneuvering in the pocket, but when he runs and he gets out of the pocket, his accuracy (laughs) falls off a cliff. And, again, like, if the 49ers end up with him, I could see him being a solid quarterback, and I could could almost talk myself into drafting him in a fantasy league, like, in the first round, even in a super flex league. But, like... If the Bears end up with him, the Patriots end up with him. If the Panther, like the Panthers or the Eagles, end up with him, I-, I just, I just don't see it.
0: Yeah, and I know there's, there's some discourse that the Panthers prefer him to Justin Fields and Trey Lance. Yeah, I am not buying that. I think that's, that's definitely smoke, uh, and I wouldn't follow that smoke.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm fully there. I fully agree with you. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think that's all we need to talk about Mac Jones. Um, we're going to take one more ad break and then we'll come back and talk about some skill position guys, some running backs some wide receivers. Uh, so don't go away. All right, guys, we know you're football fans. We know there's still a good ways to go until we can gamble on football or actually the NFL draft is coming up. So that's huge too. But there's the NBA, there's college basketball. We've got March Madness coming up in a couple weeks. There's plenty of other sports out there. And if you're like me, you love to gamble. So if you're going to gamble, which you should, use the DraftKings Sportsbook. Thanks to our partnership with DraftKings, we're getting you guys started with a huge offer. New bettors will get a deposit bonus of up to $1,000. This is how it works. you got to create your DraftKings Sportsbook account. You make your first deposit of $5 or more, and DraftKings will match your first deposit at 20% up to $1,000. So that means if you put $5,000 in, you get an extra $1,000 to play with, which like realistically that money is, you're going to use it. <laughs> like even if the, the money stays in your account forever. So you put it in now, you'll have plenty of money to gamble with um, in the football season, but you got to act quickly because this offer is not going to last forever. So yeah, Giraffe Kings sports book. All right, so let's start with this question. If you had the one oh one in a rookie draft, that's not a super flex, and you're drafting right now, who are you taking and why?
0: Rashad Bateman. Um, <laughs> no, you know, I. Now, can we can we assume that it's also not tight end premium?
1: Um. Yeah. Let's assume that.
0: Man, that I might still no Pitt. I'm changing my I'm yeah Kyle Pitts is my answer I would take Kyle pitts uh i I wrote an article of uh, probably a month third two ago now that Kyle Pitts is probably like my one oh three and even in superflex leagues uh just because the positional advantage that you get from having an elite tight end is is so vast like you look at the championship teams from last year they had Kelsey they had Waller and or they had one of like Kittle or Hawkinson maybe, uh, and Kittle was only good for a few games. So um, I think you're going to get that with Pitts. I think he's going to line up in the slot. I think he's going to line up out wide. I think he's a receiver that's going to get tight end designation. So it's Pitts. It's got to be Pitts.
1: I love it. I re- So I um, in the league that I was talking about where I ended up with like the 10th pick, I'm desperately trying to move up as far as I can so I can get Pitts because – I think I'm rocking with uh, OJ Howard and Harrison Bryant as my two tight ends. Um not great. <laughs> yeah, not great. I mean, I think both of that, like, and then I think I have a third guy who is also in that vein. Um, yeah, it's not great. And I think if I could move up and get Kyle Pitts with, like, I want to move up to, like, the fourth pick, so I could just lock him. It's a super flex. Um, so I kind of feel like, like, Lawrence Fields, Wilson will probably go top three. Um, yeah. I think it also kind of depends on what team he ends up on. Um, if. If he ends up like what's the team that you think would be like the perfect situation for him?
0: Man, um I think there's a lot of rumor going around that the Jets have some vested interest in him. Um like I think Kuiper might have put that out this week and I actually got a a tip in my DMs. I don't I don't know when I became like popular enough that people DM me with like, I'm hearing this in the front office, but I think the Jets are intriguing because Saul is bringing the San Francisco offense over. So he'd be Kittle immediately. Uh, But other than that, I think the Eagles are fun uh, just because they don't have weapons. So he's going to get volume Uh, granted, like he's their tight end too, but he's not, he's like their wide receiver one (laughs) at that point. So those are two that I'm, I'm hoping kind of, Uh, but I have no idea where Kyle Pitts is going to go on the real draft. Yeah, I really don't. It's gonna,
1: be, it's gonna like kind of swing the like his fancy value, I think a lot. Because I mean yeah. if if certain teams are just gonna ask him to block a lot, that's gonna kind of be annoying. And yeah, I'm probably some dumb team is gonna talk themselves into doing that. Um, <laughs> but I think there is a, like there is a massive, massive ceiling, especially in a dynasty format, uh, especially in long term. I think he has as much talent as any of the pass catchers that are coming out of this draft. Speaking of pass catchers, um, Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle, Javante Smith—I think—pretty universally considered the top three receivers. Who is your favorite?
0: Well, I mentioned Rashad Bateman because I actually have him in this category as well. He's—he's my wide receiver one. Rashad
1: Bateman, yeah, I'm a big fan.
0: He—he's the—he's the the Justin Jefferson of this class. We're going to see it, I'm telling you. But
1: take, I like it.
0: (laughs) Of these three, I'm still taking Jamar Chase. Um, I think where Chase does have a few weaknesses, and I mean. I, I don't. PFF put out a graphic this week. I don't know who said it. They said Jamar Chase has no weaknesses. That's not true at all. Like he still has things he needs to work on. But he's as alpha as they come. And I'll take that guy who's probably gonna have like top five capital uh, over Waddle, who's a speed guy and has that like stigma around him, and Devonte Smith, who I could flick and he'd go flying about ten yards. So.
1: Yeah. Um, I want to talk about Devonta Smith because like the dude is my height but weighs thirty pounds less than me. And like granted he's not eating bagels for breakfast every day out of pandemic depression like I am, but (laughs) like I don't know, it kind of feels like he could end up being Hollywood Brown. Like is there's no precedent for success in the NFL or at least success that we're kind of assuming that Devonta Smith is gonna have or we're kind of projecting for him in the NFL for a guy of his size, and it kinda feels like, oh, maybe he'll put on some pounds and then he'll lose some explosiveness. And just like What's your confidence level on Devonta Smith going into the NFL?
0: I land somewhere in the middle. Like I think Devonta Smith is going to be productive going into last year when I really didn't know anything about like BMI and breakout age. I didn't know anything about analytics. And I kind of taught myself over the last like year, year and a half, uh, what that kind of means and what like the relevance is. Um but his film, he graded out higher than Judy and Rugs for me last year. So it's tough to argue that he's not going to be productive at the next level. But on the other side of things, like I'm positive that people like I see Didi Westbrook as the comp all the time because he was a guy who was ultra productive uh, and then just flopped. I could see somewhere in the middle of those two things like I think Devonte Smith probably is best as a wide receiver too I don't think he's really going to be the top option for anyone and be successful doing it
1: yeah no I kind of feel like if the Dolphins take him at like the third overall pick that's just like not the best situation for him because they're going to ask him to do too much right away and, like, yeah. I don't know. Maybe you can do it. Like, there's always – I was listening to someone else talking about him, and, like, there's always an exception to the rule um, with guys that, like, you kind of compare him to other people coming to the league and you have precedent for. So – and, like, you, he won the Heisman. Like, you watch him in college. He's a fantastic receiver. Um, and I, I kind of think the injury proneness of him is a little bit overrated because um, he did – I know, like, the size and, like, he's going to be getting hit by NFL players, but, like, he made it through the entire season. And, like yeah. – guys like rondale moore we'll talk about in a sec um very much did not i just want to ask real quick um travis Etienne or Najee harris i know it's a little bit weird to talk about it when you don't know what team they're going to be on but which prospect do you like better
0: javante williams no, no i was I'm just kidding actually <laughs> yeah. i had
1: on the end of this i was like you can throw javante williams um, in if you would like
0: yeah so javante is my rb1 but of Etienne and harris i'm taking Najee. um I love ETN's long speed. I really do. I also think that I could tackle him. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I don't actually think that, uh, don't pull that clip, but I think, I I think ETN is right. Yeah. That'd be bad. Um, but I think ETN's contact balance is going to be a problem. Whereas Najee can make people miss, can truck people or can jump over them. And I value that pretty highly. And that's why I, I mean, Javante Williams, I compare him, he's just a bowling ball. That's that's my comp. So um, yeah, I would I would actually take probably Kenneth Gainwell, I would consider over ETN as well. So, um, which is a guy that and just for fantasy, because he's gonna get like 20 catches a game.
1: I think the pass catching, yeah, that's gonna that's gonna mean a lot. Um, yeah, yeah I just want to let you talk about Javante Williams because like this is a guy I keep hearing about, and I'm gonna be honest, I just have not watched the tape on him. Um, <sighs> So just like tell me
0: fun. what to look for and tell me what you like about him. You're going to have fun, man. Uh, he, it, It's a guy that he'll he'll take on contact knowing how to shake players. You'll see if you just pop up a highlight film, there's one run that really defines what Javante Williams did pretty much all year. And he trucks people. He hit him with a spin move and he ends up getting like 35 yards after contact this is a guy that's very very difficult to bring down he he's bouncy that's how i describe him he just bounces off of tackles left and right but he is sneaky elusive he's got very very good vision and while he was in a very good system obviously michael carter was just as good uh if not better than him in terms of production um but he's also one of the best pass protectors. He's really good at catching the football out of the backfield. Like he is everything you want in a workhorse. And he reminds me a little bit of when, like it's like the Josh Jacobs, Damian Harris situation where Damian Harris was the starter uh, and more productive, but Josh Jacobs was the is the better NFL running back. I think that's going to be Javante and Michael Carter
1: good stuff. I like that a lot. Um I'm going to actually like try to do some tape grinding on him in the coming weeks because I've just been hearing so much about him and this is just like one guy that I have not done my due diligence on yet. I will. Um but yeah, I, I'm definitely looking forward to watching him. All right. There's two guys that are kind of flying up maybe one more so than the other um flying up draft boards and they're getting a lot of buzz. People that I'm not particularly fond of. So I just want to like get your opinion. Uh Kadarius tony this is a guy that it seems like he's shooting up draft boards right now. I'm not particularly a fan. What's your take on him?
0: Uh he's very, very team-dependent. Like yeah, if you same. if I agree. if the if the 49ers didn't draft IU can didn't draft Debo in back-to-back years, like that's a pretty good scenario for him because you can get the ball in his hands behind the line of scrimmage and let him just do absurd things with his body. Like it doesn't even make sense how he breaks some tackles. Like he bends in weird ways and it's fun to, fun to watch, but I mean, it took him till his senior year to do anything whatsoever. Uh, He's, he doesn't have the best hands and most of his uh, targets came either behind the line of scrimmage or within five yards. So he's, I mean, he's like my wide receiver 13, I think 12 or 13, I'd take flyer on him in the second, but I have seen him as early as, like, pick 11 to the Giants, which yeah. is disgusting. <laughs> Gross.
1: Yeah, uh, I think either Kuiper or McShay mocked him to the Bears at 20 um, in their last mock, and I'm very much not down. And I, I've i tweeted yeah. today that I want Rashad Bateman any day of the week over him, um, the guy I like Absolutely. a lot. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, Kadarius Tony like – He's little. A lot of his work, again, done by the hind line of scrimmage, Um, and he's like a lot of his production was just based on him running past everybody, which is just not really going to work in the NFL. And maybe like, maybe like if you get him into the Kyle Shanahan like system, that might work. But I just he doesn't win contested catches. His hands aren't great. Don't like spending a first round pick on him. Um, Do you think he has any value in dynasty formats right now, or are you just kind of passing on him altogether unless he falls?
0: Yeah, I mean his the the uh ADP is going to be way too high for me. I can't. I won't touch him.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm very much the same way. And all right, so another guy that I think I've a lot of similar concerns is Rondale Moore. Another guy I think is going to be very scheme specific. Um do you do you see him as a better prospect? Do you kind of view him similarly?
0: This is interesting. I actually Rondale Moore is my wide receiver 3. Uh insane. I think there's certain games that you can pick out where he actually does like run routes. Well, he gets up field. Well, he's di- very difficult to bring down. He did it at such a young age against NFL caliber talent. I, I mean, he put up what, like almost 200 yards, I believe against Ohio state who, I mean, they were running literal like NFL players right now we're getting dusted. Um, and so I think where Tony is like an intriguing route runner where he'll do things like in a, uh, like a very weird way. Like he'll do weird spin moves. Rondale has traditionally like relied on just his quickness and his uh, twitchiness, but I think he's going to end up being a good route runner and he's going to be more than just like a screen pass. Let's get him the ball or pop pass. Let's get him the ball, which I think that's what Purdue did because they didn't have anyone else. Uh, and so I, I do like Rondell Moore quite a bit.
1: That's interesting. Cause I actually watched some Rondell Moore film today and I was rewatching, I forget maybe it was against, um, it might've been against Minnesota. Um, and they they threw to Rondell Moore behind the line of scrimmage like eight times. And they did throw down the field in that game. They were behind and they almost came back and won. They were thrown at the tight end. They were thrown at some other receiver. I forget his name. It felt like when I was watching Moore, he was running down the field. but He wasn't really winning on the routes or maybe he was and the quarterback wasn't seeing him. So I guess I got to watch more film, but like, this is a guy, like, if you look at his, like, his chart in terms of where he was getting thrown the ball on the field, it's all, like, five yards, and that's, like, as far as it goes. And, like, maybe he could be a D-Bell Samuel type if you get him in that Shanahan-style system again, but, like, do does the injury concern, does that bother you at all either? Like, is it, that's just kind of something that's a little bit of a red flag to me.
0: So I had initially knocked him and then I started talking to some of these uh, physical therapists that are awesome on Twitter that I rely on heavily for my injury analysis. And uh, a few of them have said like Rondale hasn't really lost a step. He looks basically as athletic as he did last time he played. The problem is like he hasn't played in so long. So he's just getting his legs back underneath him. I think once we see like he's been healthy for over a year now I think we're going to see a lot of the explosiveness that we saw uh, really back in 2018 was the last time he was this explosive or explosive at all. So,
1: All right. That's fair. I got to go back and watch some more film. All right. So one thing I've been asking all my guests, and this is just kind of like a final question, but I know it's still a pandemic. We're all stuck inside and football is, maybe a profession, but not our entire life. So I know like a lot of people like to ask, like, what's the best movie, best TV show you watch. I'll expand that to like, if you read a good book, you played a good video game, if you like picked up a new hobby, what's something that's intrigued you since the pandemic has been going?
0: Man. uh, Well, a lot of things I will say, but I had never seen Breaking Bad. Oh, Um, Yeah. So I started it about a month and a half ago, maybe, maybe not even. It might have been within a month. I'm very. Jealous uh, of you. <laughs> if for watching it for the first time. Yeah, anyway. yeah. So I, I when we get off here, I'm gonna go eat dinner and I'm gonna go continue watching Breaking Bad. I'm on like season five, so the last season, episode eight or nine or something like that. And I, I mean, one of the best shows ever. I can't believe it took me this long to watch it, but very, very glad I did so
1: Yeah, it's it's an incredible show. And it's actually hilarious because um, Adam Rank from the NFL Network came on last week and he said he doesn't like Breaking Bad, and I gave him some shit for it. And he doesn't like Game of Thrones either, which is crazy.
0: See, I've never watched Game of Thrones either, but that might be next on the list. That's cause... okay.
1: That's next on your list because <laughs> I would put so like Breaking Bad. I think might be the best TV show of all time. I, I think I'm willing to commit to that. Um, Game of mm-hmm. Thrones um, and like The Sopranos. I think are the those are the top three shows of all time. I think a lot of people would say that those are my three favorite shows of all time lost is up there with me but like yeah breaking bad I think I think you have to be crazy to not like breaking bad and like I think his excuse was like he didn't like the first season but like it's it gets so much better
0: it's also necessary like they set it up so well in that first season and then they reference it back in season five so I love it yeah
1: it's it's a great show i'm like yeah see you're at the end of season five it's it's about to yeah it's about to, pop. it's about to get crazy yeah it's a great show um you should watch i actually really like the el camino movie the jesse pinkman movie they made um uh that's definitely worth watching um when you're when you're done uh when you're done with I,
0: show. on the list for sure and maybe better call saul have you watched that
1: yep it's very very good um it's different it's not like it's more of like understated it's more of a drama instead of a thriller um but it's really well written um yeah it's a really good show i definitely i actually don't think i've watched the most recent season that's just something i've been slacking on um become like i've become a gamer out of nowhere like i never really played (laughs) video games until i mean i did when i was younger right like madden um and i got a switch like three months ago and what i've been doing is just like they have ports of all these like classic games that came out in the last like 10 15 years so i've been i like played through bioshock um i'm playing through borderlands oh, awesome. 2 right now um so i've i've like fell off i like fallen off my tv watching um <laughs> but i think this phase will end at some point and i'll get back into it but i'm gonna go play borderlands after this it's
0: so good stuff yeah
1: <laughs> all right christian williams absolute pleasure to have you on um you're the second pseudo co-host of the podcast. Um, but you're welcome back anytime. Really like your insight. I'm going to go watch some Javante Williams film um, and maybe some more Rondell Moore film, but uh, we'll
0: see. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay if you don't. Thank you for having me, man. I uh, I would gladly come back. And you said you wanted to do guest spots, so I'm definitely going to reach back out and get you on our podcast
1: as well. Hell yeah. We do some uh, cross-promotion there too. It's good stuff. Hey, Kevin. Right. Take it easy. Uh, see you guys next week.